On the other side of everything I can see forever, the side not so much. Welcome to The Other Everything. Hunger and thirst are universal. There is a visceral need to eat. Visceral meaning innards. Our stomach growls when we don't eat or when we delay matters. As any creature on the planet, we need food. We die if we don't have it. And so many pray, give us our daily bread. Birds don't pray, they just find. I barely know how they keep all that up, but they do. On our back porch, we help them out each day. The pigeon, the goldfinch, the woodpecker, and on and on. We know they need to eat, and so we help them. Our favorite are the hummingbirds. Somehow, I don't know how, we learn at an early age to translate our appetites to other things, and so comes the need to buy. We see, we need, we buy, and somewhere along the line, perhaps because we just can, we see, we want, we buy, the food, we eat, the wine, we drink. But beyond these consumables, we ingest the having, the possessing, the enjoying, and in a sense, it is a transferring of our consuming of food, our hunger and thirst to the rest of our sensibilities. We taste, we smell, we see, we hear, we touch, and we have collectively given a name for ourselves who are in the activity of the acquisition of things. We call ourselves consumers. I remember seeing a movie in my teens entitled The Possessor. It was about a man who collected butterflies. He acquired them, pinned them, and tagged them. Yes, he was a lapidarian. I thought he was creepy, which was exactly what the movie makers wanted us to feel. Possessors and collectors can give the observer a creepy feeling depending on the thing or things they collect, how they collect them, and most importantly, why they collected them. I collected baseball cards and coins when I was young. I wish I had my Mickey Mantle and Whitey Ford cards. They would be worth a whole lot right now. But I didn't collect them then to make money. I collected them because I liked them. I loved the smell of bubblegum that came with them. I loved to read the facts about each player. I loved the fact that most of them belonged to my favorite team, the Yankees. I loved the dreams I had about how well they would do this new spring season and that my big brother went with my dad to a game and that my big brother came home with a signed baseball. I loved the fact that I could play with the cards with my friends and that we each had the chance to win cards back from each other. I collected baseball cards because I loved what they stood for and what they were. And today I love the fact that it wasn't ever about the money. It wasn't ever about the money. It wasn't the point. You may collect things for the money they would make in the future. That's often what we call collectors. It isn't the thing, but what one could make from the thing. They're just cards, I know, but do you remember the title of that movie about baseball, For the Love of the Game? When one collects something, is it for the love of that thing itself, or is it for the value currency in the open market? I think that's the problem with trophy wives. The motives of the suitor are mixed. It isn't simply for the love of that woman, but rather it's mixed. It's also about her social value currency in the open market. And we all sense that at a distance as we use the label trophy, the motives for the husband in the relationship, whether known or unbeknownst to him, are nicely spoken as mixed, but in fact are tainted. This isn't love. This is possession. This is consumption. 
We consume food, and yet we who see ourselves as consumers are in the precarious business of acquisition. What we taste, smell, see, hear, and touch. In the Anything Mall, you can tell if the spine runs straight enough, alleviate the rough life, the stuff life in the Anything Mall. All the time we gotta have it, with our hands out first in line, with our backs bent, worn out with the weight. Get your spine straight and walk tall with the x-ray eyes that see right through, see right through. And walk tall with the x-ray eyes, simulate the real living dreams that the screen makes up. It has a mind of its own and I do not. We spend our money like we spend our time. Our world out of a paper doll. We 
Have you ever used the term the object of our affection? Consider the notion of objectification. Objectification is, in its negative sense, to take a person or thing out of its context. And in another sense, to divest him, her, or it of its meaning and its value. To see a piece of art in the light of its market value. To do a cost-effect analysis to determine someone or something's worth. And in this sense, fruit on a tree is what it gets for me on the market. On social media, no matter how it's spun, the fact is that if you have few followers, you are less valued than if you have many. The popularity contest has always been like that, and the unrecognized have less value as a result. And those who, as Joni Mitchell sang, stoked the star maker machinery behind the popular song are all about objectification distributed to the masses. And we consume it because that's who we are. Nothing could be further from the truth. Though we act as if we are consumers, and yes, we do consume, it is simply not our identity. Though we may accept the label, we are not that label. We are far, far more. I'm not whatever you do with me on a flowchart or a profit margin or the object of a sales call. I am more, far more than what you can get out of me. And you are far, far more than what I can get out of you. This is the beauty of the unquantifiability of what is, of the sunset and the butterfly and the air that breezes through my open window living room on a hot day and the grandkids that come over to raid the grandparents' pantry and the sound of a well-made song or the lettering strokes of the Japanese brush on an unused scroll of rice paper. I saw my firstborn in the birthing room her first breath. I see her in my mind's eye. I can't forget the unforgettable. Do you think I thought, oh look, a mouth to feed? Another tick on the country's population meter. Do you think I saw a consumer? Hi, I'd like you to meet another consumer. She loves to eat and grab and drink and have. We are more than the stuff we get at the Stuff Mart. That's at least what Veggie Tales calls it. There is a book title, You Are What You Eat. In some ways, that's right, in that our diet can give us indicators about some things about us. Eating too much. Eating without regard to what we eat. Eating with too much regard to what we eat. Sugar. 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 Alcohol. 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 Only organic. No meat. Red meat. Always and forever. Junk food. Vegan. No milk. No nuts. Nothing processed. Anything. On and on, what we eat or don't eat can say something about ourselves. But to say, you are what you eat, though catchy, is profoundly reductionistic. My physical characteristics say something about me. But it, at best, is misleading to say that these characteristics define me, any more than the word consumer defines me. Yes, it's easy to let the word and its intent define me, consumerize me, my word. 
It's a mashup of consumer and mesmerize. Mesmerize as in letting someone else do the thinking for me. The stuff life in the anything mall. All the time we gotta have it. With our hands out, first in line. With our backs bent, worn out with the weight. See right through. It has a mind of its own, and I do not. So I don't mind if someone else, a certain someone else, does the thinking for me. If of course that certain someone else is the one who made me. After all, who knows better? As the words in Psalm 139 say, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. On this side of everything, Madison Avenue says, Consumer. But on the other side of everything, God says, More. We make our world out of a paper doll. Forever in a paper world We think we have more Because we make more We think we have more Because we pay more We think we have more Because we see more I get so much more From you hope you've enjoyed our fifth episode of The Other Everything. Thanks to Charlie Meyer for lending his deep voice, and thanks to Latasha Struther for hers. Please join us again next week as we turn to our sixth episode entitled Look What I Made. If you want to know more or want to be in contact with us, you can visit us at our website entitled TheOtherEverything.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have contributions, poems, songs, ideas, please send them our way. 